Well, hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this week's podcast, we're continuing in our sermon series called In Transit. Now, being in transit means that you're on the move, or you're just passing through, or that you're going across. So in this series, we're exploring biblical stories about people who are doing just that. People who are on the move, or just passing through, or going across... Or in short, people who are in transit. So over the last couple of weeks in the series, we have explored the story of Daniel. And we saw that if we're faithful to God, that God will be faithful to us even in times of transition. And we've explored the story of Abraham and learned that we'll never be in the right place until we're where God wants us to be. Now in today's podcast, we're taking a closer look at the story of Jeremiah. And we'll see what the story of Jeremiah has to teach us about living where we are even in times of transition. So let's get right into this week's sermon. Now, it wasn't too long ago that I was having one of those kind of days. And y'all know what I mean when I say that I was having one of those kind of days. It was the kind of day where I had a specific place to be, and I needed to be there at a specific time, but everything that happened that day was slowing me down. So for me, this particular day, it happened on a Sunday. And on Sundays, you may or may not be aware of this, but I have a specific place that I need to be. I need to be right here at church. And I have a specific time that I like to get here at church on Sunday mornings, and I like to be here around 8.30 or 8.35. And I like to get here by about 8.30 on Sunday mornings so that I have a few minutes where I can take care of any last-minute issues that I need to take care of before church gets started on Sunday mornings. And then I still have plenty of time where I can be out in the hallways, uh, catching up with you guys before any of our services get started that day. But on this particular Sunday, everything seemed to be slowing me down. Now, it started when Ashley went downstairs to let our dogs out of their pens that morning. Now, for those of you who may not know this, the Shell family adopted a new puppy about three months ago. And let's just say that getting our new puppy housebroken has been an adventure, okay? And on this particular Sunday morning, it was an Indiana Jones-sized adventure, okay? So Ashley went downstairs, and she found that our cute little mini-dog had made a mess everywhere in her pen. So while Ashley was downstairs cleaning up the mess in the pen, I had to clean up the puppy. And that put me behind schedule right out of the gate. So instead of leaving the house around 8.15 like I like to do, I left the house at 8.25 that morning. And as I pulled my car out of the garage, I knew. I knew that there was no way that I was going to make the six-mile drive to get to church in five minutes. And if there were any hope, any delusion in my mind that that was possible, it disappeared as soon as I pulled out onto the street. And the very first light I came to was red. And so was the next light that I came to. And so was the next light that I came to. And after I made it past those three red lights, I then got stuck behind one of those slow-moving cars driving on a one-lane road so there was no way that I could pass them at all. The guy refused to drive the speed limit, and it was driving me crazy. And that's the way that the entire drive over to church went that morning. I kept hitting red light after red light or sitting behind slow-moving cars And I didn't just hit these red lights when I came to them, okay? I just came up to them at the worst possible minute, right after the light had turned red. So I had to sit through the whole red light before I could keep on driving. 
And then, then when I finally hit a stretch of road where I wasn't going to run into any red lights, you'll never guess what came up next. You'll never guess what happened to slow me down. Finally had a stretch where there weren't any red lights, and there was a flock of geese crossing the road. That's right, a flock of geese crossing the road. Now, I wish it had been a flock of seagulls, because then I could have just ran so far away from them, it wouldn't have been a problem. But instead, it was a flock of geese. And there was one goose in particular in this flock that was really trying, well, he was really trying to get my goose. Okay? Now, the rest of the geese in the flock, they had the common sense that when they saw a bunch of cars coming at them, that they moved to the side of the road. But not this particular fella. This fella, he kept walking right down. Well, he kept waddling because geese don't walk. But he kept walking right down my lane of traffic. And every once in a while, I swear that geese would look back over his shoulder at me. And you know how geese are supposed to say honk? This one didn't. This one said ha ha. It's one of those kind of mornings for me. But we've all had days like that, right? Okay, well, maybe you haven't had a day where a goose was laughing at you, but, but you've all had days. We've all had days like this. We've had days where we knew where we wanted to get, where we knew where we wanted to be, and we wanted to get there as quickly as we possibly could. We've all had days like that. I mean, that's kind of where we're at as a church right now, right? Over the last couple of weeks, we have been, we finally finalized the sale contract on this building we're sitting in. And I don't have to tell you that this was a long time coming. But now that we know that our building has been sold, and now that we know that there is a closing date in the near future, we're ready to move on. We know where we want to go, and we just want to get there as fast as we possibly can. And that's because we all know how difficult the last year and a half has been for us as a church. We all know how hard it's been to make the decision to sell the property to begin with. We all know how hard it's been waiting week after week and month after month for any real progress to be made in the sale. And we all know how hard it's been to have to put our our hopes and a lot of our dreams for the future of our church on hold. But now that we know, now that we know that our time in this building is soon going to come to an end, there's a part of all of us that just wants to get going. There's a part of all of us that just wants to get moving. There's a part of all of us that just wants to do all of it as fast as we possibly can. We know where we want to go, and we want to get there as fast as we can. We know where we want to go, and now we just want to get there as fast as we possibly can. And when I think, when I think about where we are as a church right now, I can't help but think back to where the people of Israel were about 2,500 years ago. And if you're wondering where the people of Israel were about 2,500 years ago, well, it's safe to say that they were in a tough spot, okay? In 586 B.C., the southern kingdom of Israel, which we call Judah, was invaded and they were conquered by the great Babylonian empire. And that last sentence, where the people of Judah were conquered by the Babylonian empire, That sentence doesn't even begin to do justice to what the people of Judah experienced. If you want to know what it was like for the people of Judah to be conquered by this outside invader, just read the book of Lamentations in the Bible sometime. Because church tradition tells 
tells us that the book of Lamentations was written after the prophet Jeremiah walked through the streets and the alleys of Jerusalem in the aftermath of the Babylonian invasion. And I want to share with you just a little bit from the book of Lamentations this morning, just so you can hear what it was like, what Jeremiah experienced as he walked through the ruins of the city. In Lamentations chapter 2, this is what Jeremiah writes. He says, my Lord has become like an enemy. He devoured Israel. He devoured all of her palaces. He made ruins of her city walls. And daughter Judah, he multiplied mourning along with more mourning. He wrecked his own booth like a garden. He destroyed his place for festivals. The Lord made Zion forget about festivals and Sabbath. In his fierce rage, he scorched both monarch and priest. My Lord rejected his altar. He abandoned his sanctuary. He handed Zion's palace walls over to our enemies. Now, I can't even begin to imagine what Jeremiah must have seen as he walked through the ruined city of Jerusalem. But just from these couple of verses and lamentations, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that it had to be horrific for him to describe the scene the way that he does. Jeremiah says that the city looked like God had devoured it. That God had wrecked and destroyed everything there, including the holiest places in the entire city, the temple and the altar that sat there. And if all of this wasn't bad enough, after Babylon conquered the southern kingdom of Judah, they then hauled off thousands of people, monarchs and priests, taking them as prisoners of war. So thousands of people from Judah were in exile. And it could have been easy. It couldn't have been easy for them to live in exile. It couldn't have been easy for them to live as strangers in a foreign land. It couldn't have been easy for them to be forced away from their family and from their friends couldn't have been easy for them to be forced to start over and wonder if they would ever be able to go back home again. And that's really all the people of Judah ever wanted. They wanted to go back home. They wanted to escape their exile. They wanted to move on. They wanted to get moving. And they wanted to do it as fast as they possibly could. And in the book of Jeremiah, in chapters 30 and 31, God promises the people, that that's exactly what they're going to get. God promises the people of Israel that they are going to be able to go back home. Just listen to some of what God promises them. Here's what Jeremiah writes about God's promise. He writes, The Lord, the God of Israel, proclaims, Write down, write it down in all the scrolls and all the words that I have spoken to you. Because the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will send my people Israel and Judah back from captivity, says the Lord. I will bring them home to the land that I gave to their ancestors, and they will possess it. For here are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, my servant Jacob, declares the Lord. Don't lose your hope, O Israel. I will deliver you from faraway places, and your children, I will deliver them from the land of their exile. My people Jacob, you will be safe, and you will be sound, and no one will harass you, for I am with you. And I will rescue you, declares the Lord. I will put an end to all of the nations where I have scattered you, 
but I will never put an end to you, for I have loved you with a love that lasts forever. And so with my unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Again, I will build you up, and you will be rebuilt, O Israel. Again, you will play your tambourines, and you will dance with joy. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria, and farmers will plant and then harvest and enjoy their harvests. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with Judah. I will put my instructions within them, and they will be engraved on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Did you hear? Did you hear at least some of what God promises the people of Israel and Judah in this passage? He promises them that they would be freed from their captivity and their exile in Babylon. He promises them that he would bring them back to the land that God had given to their ancestors. God promises them that they would be safe and they would be sound with no one harassing them. God promises them that they would sing and they would dance again. God promises them that there would be prosperity and abundance for them again. And God promises them that there would be nothing, there would be nothing more abundant for them than God's love for them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read all of these promises, I can't help but get a little bit excited about them. And I can't wait to see how God fulfills them for the people of Israel and for the people of Judah. And i got to tell you, my excitement doesn't just go because of the promises that God makes to the people of Israel and Judah in this passage. It also stems from the fact that God promises us as a church a lot of the same things that He promised them. That's right, I believe that God promises us as a church a lot of the same things that God promised Judah in this passage we just read. I believe that God wants us to be free from anything that holds us in captivity. I believe that God wants us to be in a place where we will be safe and we will be sound and that no one will harass or bother us. I believe that God wants us to be in a place where we will be able to sing and we will be able to dance, and yes, I said that even though we're Baptists, and we'll celebrate everything that God has done for us. And I believe that God wants us to be in a place that is overflowing, with God's abundant love, not just for us, but for all people. And I can't wait. I can't wait for these promises of God to be fulfilled. We all can't wait for God to fulfill these promises. But, before we get in too big of a hurry to get to where we're going next, there's another passage from the book of Jeremiah that we need to hear. So if you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles with me and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And as you're turning there, I just want to point out that this passage, this passage, the one that we're about to read, is written right before God makes all of those promises to the people of Israel. Before God makes all of those promises to the people of Israel, he tells them what we're going to hear in this passage. So Jeremiah chapter 29, we'll read, start reading in verse 4. This is what Jeremiah writes. It says, The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles that I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. He declares to them, build houses, settle down, cultivate gardens, 
and then eat what they produce. Get married there. Have children there. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. So did you hear? Did you hear what God tells the people of Israel and Judah in this passage in the book of Jeremiah? See, God knows. God knows that he is about to make the people of Israel and the people of Judah a great promise. God knows that he is about to promise them that they would be let go from their captivity and that they would get to go home. God promises them that they are going to get to go back into a land of safety and prosperity and his abundant love. And God knows before he even says it that the people of Israel and Judah, that they are going to get so excited to get there that they're going to lose their minds. They're going to focus on nothing else but getting home as fast as they possibly can. So before God makes them any of these promises, before God makes them a single promise here, that would get them so excited about what their future held for them, God tells them, slow down. God says to them that they need to build houses. How long does it take to build a house? Those things don't go up overnight. But God says build houses and then settle in where they are. God tells them to grow gardens. How many of you are gardeners in here? How long does it take to grow a garden? They don't go up overnight. It takes weeks or months before anything starts to grow and anything can be harvested. God doesn't tell them to just plant. God tells them that they're going to harvest it and enjoy what they've sowed. And then God tells them to get married and God tells them to have children and then God tells them to give their children away in marriage. God tells them it's going to be a while. So slow down. Or to put it another way, God told the people of Israel that they needed to live where they were before they got too excited or too worried about what the future held for them. And I think God is telling us the exact same thing while we're in this point of transition as a church. Before we get too excited about the future, we need to live where we are. Before we get too excited about the future, we need to live where we are as a church. And there's a reason why God tells us this. There's a reason why God wants us to live where we are right now. And it's because God wants to be our God right now. God wants us to live where we are right now because God wants to be our God right now. And here's the thing. A lot of times, we don't do a great job of letting God be our God when we're going through difficult times. We always want to point toward the future where we say, we're going to give God praise, we're going to celebrate God, we're going to worship God when we get out of this darkness. When we make it into another light, then we will celebrate, then we will worship God. We want God to be the God of good times. God wants to be our God all the time. God doesn't want us to put him off while we're waiting 
for a better and a brighter future to come. God wants to be our God right now. That's what He wanted. That's what He wanted from the people of Israel and from the people of Judah. God wanted to be their God while they were living in exile, while they were living in captivity. He wanted them to worship Him, to honor Him, to praise Him, even when they were going through this rough spot. God wanted to be their God while they were going on their way. God wanted to be their God through all of the hard times that they faced. Because God isn't just a God of the good times for us. Our God is a God that is there with us even in the most difficult times that we face. And God wants us to rely on Him in those difficult times. God wants us to trust in Him even in those difficult times. God wants us to see how He is helping us through these difficult times. But you know what? That doesn't happen if we're only looking toward the future. It happens when we're living where we are right now. When we're seeing the ways that God is at work, even in the midst of hard times. It happens when we spend our time with God right now instead of putting it off and saying, we'll do it again, we'll worship God better, and when we have a brighter future. It happens when we take the time to notice how God is working in us, through us, and with us, right now. So I know, this morning, I know that where we're at as a church right now, that we all feel a lot like I did that Sunday morning a few weeks ago when everything seemed to be slowing me down and holding me back. We've been making it through the red lights, a little bit of progress here and there. Now it feels like there's a flock of geese and one ornery goose in the bunch that's just slowing us down. And we want to move on. We want to get to where we're going as fast as we possibly can. And I know I know that we want to do it. I know we want to get there. But let's not get so caught up in the future that we stop following God in the present. Let's not get so caught up in whatever the future holds for us as a church that we stop following God where we are right now. Let's do what Jeremiah told the people of Israel. Let's live where we are. Let's trust that God is walking beside us where we are. And let's trust that God is going to ultimately take us where he wants us to be in the future. But let's never lose sight of God in the present while we're wishing for what the future may hold. Let's pray together. God, you know that whenever we are in transit or transition, that we as people, we just like to get there as fast as we possibly can. We don't like to sit around airports. We don't like to sit around in subway stations, bus stations. We don't like to sit around in traffic in our cars. When we get on the road, we like to go fast. And God, you know that that's where we're at as a church right now, that we are in this time of transition and that we don't like to be in this place. We like to get to where we're going, and we want to get to where we're going as fast as we can. But God, let us live where we are right now. Because God, if we get too concerned about what the future holds, we're going to lose sight of everything that you're doing in us and for us right now. We're going to keep putting you off for another day until a brighter tomorrow comes. But God, you are not simply a God of a brighter tomorrow. You are a God that is here. 
A God that has been here with us in the past. A God that is with us right now in the present. And yes, a God who is walking beside us and leading us into the future. So God, let us trust you. Let us trust you to lead the way. Let us trust you to get us there in your timing, not in ours. And while we're making this trip, O oh God, let us be happy to live where we are. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this week's sermon podcast. I hope that no matter what transitions you may be facing in your life, that you have been encouraged to follow God right now. Now, next week, we're going to be concluding this sermon series by exploring the story of Jesus's ascension, and we're going to pay particular attention to the way that his disciples reacted to it. And we'll see what this story has to tell us about how we can continue to move forward, even in our times of transition. Now, that episode will drop next Tuesday, and if you subscribe to our podcast, it will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And before I go, I just want to remind you that we are not supposed to only be hearers of the word. We are also supposed to be doers. So this week, spend some of your time with God. Thank God for where you are in your life right now. And trust that God will be with you wherever your life may take you. Now, I hope you have a great week this week, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another sermon podcast.